MoreLikeRadio.com. It's our duty to entertain you. <laughs> I said duty. Only alcohol can make life bearable. You must drink. Always drink. I blame this all on Kevin, DMU. Has anyone ever known a good person named Kevin? We, we hung out with, with Kevin from Alcohol by Volume. And he only says like three words. He, he's like really shy. He really talked to me. Towards the end of the night when he was drinking more, man, he, he was he was right there with us talking a mile a minute. Alcohol by Volume? Oh, I'm actually kind of drunk. Alcohol by Volume. Awesome show. You really want to get drunk? <laughs> Listen to that show. Because by hour two, he's blitzed. I'm bad. Oh, it's awesome. Because it's a beer show. Kevin, some stupid kid. Weird thing. Polish last name. Yeah. Where's your dedication there, Kevin? Your own show or someone else's? Alcohol my volume. Alcohol my volume. I shove alcohol in my butthole. That's not it? It's nothing to do with butthole. I mean, can you even get drunk anymore? It's kind of like a drinking a vitamin food, right? So you're blaming the drunker. Yes, I'm blaming the MLR drunker, Kevin. Hello, bartender. I have thought it over, and far from being a fat pig, you are very nice. And I would like another drink. Drink a barf, drunkie! Episode number, I think, 82, something like that. Um, yeah, my headphones are all fucked up. Not my headphones, my headphone jack and my fucking board. So, uh, yeah, I see a level, so I'm okay. It's Tuesday, uh, September 16th, 2014. You are listening to Alcohol by Volume on More Like Radio. If you are listening live, join the chat at morelikeradio.com slash live. If you're listening via podcast, I appreciate the download, but you can always listen live every Tuesday night. 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time. And also, if you're listening live, you can Skype in, alcohol by volume, all one word, or you can call in 862-345-7125. Don't even necessarily need to be talking about the topic on hand. You know, if there's something, you got a question, you know, I'll try and answer it. I'm usually talking out of my ass, but I'll do what I can. So, uh, I've been rolling through a bunch of the beers that I got from that new liquor store I visited a couple weeks ago, in addition to some of the beers that Scrams gave me at the live event. Uh, one of them actually really jumped out at me. I had it last night, and it was really good. I will uh, also quickly give a welcome to Roy Black on Crack in the chat. He is about to crack open a Petrist Aged Red uh, Food Rouge. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that right. It would not be an episode of ABV if I was not mispronouncing things horribly. And belching on Mike. Uh, so w- one of them that I had last night from Scrams, it was Rogue's 19 Original Colonies Mead. It actually made me realize I don't think I've really ever covered mead on this show. Um, probably because the, the couple of meads that I'd had before this one uh, didn't really grab me at all. Um, I think I, I know I had had one from at least uh, Bee Nectar. I know I had one from somewhere else, too. It, I, I've heard that Bee Nectar is fantastic, but maybe I just did not have the right flavor for me or something. But um, this one from Rogue was actually pretty good. Uh, taste was great. It was very light, effervescent. I love that word, effervescent. Uh, so that might be a good thing for me to discuss as a topic next week. <laughs> Roy Black on Cracks with my French is probably worse. Uh, yeah, I, I t- oh shit, I took 
two years of French in high school, another two years in college. Doesn't really add up to four years because the two years in college was basically getting me back to everything I had forgotten in high school. Because, uh, let's see, graduated from high school in 96, did not have that first French class in college until at least 2000, 2001. So that kind of gives you an idea there. Um, I also completely polished off an entire growler on Sunday. I didn't intend to, but then when I realized, eh, I only got one glass left, to, might as well do it. I had Angry Eric Brewing's FICA Sweet Stout. And I discovered that it's actually a local brewery only about 30 minutes away from me in Lafayette, New Jersey. So I will be checking them out in the future. As far as sweet stouts go, it was very good, obviously, if I drank an entire growler in one evening. So no, no big surprise there, really. Uh, but I'm going to have to check them out one of these weekends. Um, and then one of the beers that I gotten from that new liquor store, I had the Professor Bream Fritsch Grodziski described on um, the tag on the shelf. I don't think the label actually described as this, but as a sour smoked wheat ale. I had no idea what to expect from it. The fact that it was sour drew me in initially, but I like smoked beers too, so I was wondering how those two would blend. It was actually pretty good. Uh, it was it was interesting. Uh, something something I'd probably want to try again too, just to see if my palate changes over time. I liked the blend. It wasn't too heavy on the smokiness, wasn't too heavy on the sour, and it let all those flavor elements kind of blend seamlessly there. It tasted good as a wheat ale. It tasted good as a sour. It tasted good as a smoked, but there was no one element that outweighed the others. Perfect balance. So if, I don't know, keep an eye out. It, it's by Professor Bream Fritz, and it's the Grodziski. So uh, it, oddly enough, uh, somebody on my untapped feed, uh, had they had logged one like a day after I did. So it's definitely out there. It's it, It's, you know, depending on the right market. You can probably find it at some of your better liquor stores that have a larger-than-normal German beer selection, I'd suppose. And then tonight, I'm uh, this, this was a beer that I had seen on the shelf for the longest time at my local liquor store and just had never had occasion to pick it up until yesterday because I, like I said, I'm, I'm running low on beers in my fridge. I just I need something for show night. So I got uh, from Free Will Brewing Coffee Oatmeal Brown. Um, in fact, let me let me read the the label here. The, the, I I didn't even see the label when I bought it because it uh, came in a completely enclosed box. The whole six pack. They they really went all out with this label describing it. Okay, uh, brewed and bottled by Free Will Brewing Company, Percasey, Pennsylvania. Blah 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 blah. Imperial Southern English style brown ale. Blah, 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 intense, blah, 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 delicious, blah, 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 coffee, blah, and then some more coffee. So they're not really fucking around. Yeah, it's, they're, they're going for the coffee on it. Uh, and they nailed it with this. I, this is actually really good. I When I got up to the register and found out it was 15 bucks for the 12-pack, I was like, I'm a little worried about this now. But it for an Imperial coffee stout well, actually it's not even a coffee it's not even a stout um, yeah it's just a yeah it's just a imperial coffee ale uh, technically yeah it, well not, not even a coffee it, it's an imperial brown ale 
that is what it technically is. Sorry, I keep having to pick up the bottle in and out of the bucket. Um, but for an Imperial, it does not feel heavy. does not feel heavy at all. I know how there are some of those that just... They try and kick your ass with the higher ABV. This one, I think, is 8.1. doesn't feel like it at all. Very, very smooth drink. And a lot of the other Imperial coffees out there, you it, there's that... There's that alcohol burn at the end that this doesn't have, um, and I, I I like I like the trend. Well, I, I'm not I'm not big, and this kind of goes into the the topic for tonight's show. I'll get into it a little bit later, but I I'm starting to fall away from the trend of all these goddamn imperial beers because all they seem to be concerned with is cranking up the alcohol at, the, at some point, uh, either cranking up the alcohol level or even more barrel aging it to crank up the alcohol level even more and while this one is an imperial it doesn't feel or necessarily taste like it so i can appreciate this one but overall the the trend of the imperials is starting to bother me but i'll I'll get into that i'll get into that a little bit because uh there was a big story uh breaking today and god damn it i don't have a um breaking news sounder so what just a da, 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 da. yeah it doesn't really work as well with just me here well uh, apparently the NFL is now at risk for losing Anheuser-Busch as a sponsor post Ray Rice and all those other wonderful wonderful football individuals and their controversies uh, let me bring up this article here this is from uh, NBC Sports and I gotta give a shout out to Cornax for kind of tipping me off on this he uh he actually sent me an initial link for this from Anheuser-Busch maybe about, I don't know, a half hour before I left work today. Um, this, I mean, this pretty much broke a little bit before four today. Um, Anheuser-Busch disappointed, concerned, dissatisfied with NFL. A major NFL sponsor has had enough with the misbehavior of NFL players. Oh, now you finally had enough? Haven't they been fucking shooting each other and everything for years? Come on. And the response of NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell and the owners he works for. Anheuser-Busch, the beer maker that spends a fortune on NFL advertising and sponsorship, has released a strongly worded statement in response to the controversies that have unfolded over the last week regarding Ray Rice, Adrian Peterson, Greg Hardy, and Ray McDonald. Now, the to show you how much I pay attention to football, because I fucking love football, um, the only one on that list I really know what he did is Ray Rice. He, he's the one that... Uh, that uh, punched that uh, mouthy bitch of his in the uh, elevator, right? Yeah, knocked her out. I know one of the other guys, I'm kidding, I don't think she, well, actually, no, she was a mouthy bitch because now she's blaming the media for ruining her fucking gravy train. So mouthy bitch, mouthy bitch, mouthy cunt. Um, but the other three, Adrian Peterson, Greg Hardy, Ray McDonald, uh, I believe one of them was a, was beating his kid with a switch. I don't know what the fuck the other two did, so I, I have no idea what's going on. Um... See if anybody in the chat mentions it. Uh, okay, no, eh, just Roy Black on crack in the chat, which I don't mind. He is a very loyal listener. Uh, the statement from Anheuser Busch: We are disappointed and increasingly concerned by the recent incidents that have overshadowed this NFL season. We are not yet satisfied with the league's handling of behaviors that go so clearly against our company culture and moral code. <laughs> We have shared our concerns and expectations with the league. Now, there, there are comments on this article, and I, I think some of the comments kind of express this sentiment, too. A beer company 
a large, large worldwide beer company worried about company culture and moral code? You sell poison. Alcohol is, well, delicious poison, but, you know, it's not, it's not particularly good for you in most cases. Except what I drink. What I drink is good for me. I, I'm, I'm sure of that. My liver's fine. And I'm sure what you guys are drinking is good, too. Um, but eh, you, you don't necessarily think of beer companies, particularly the big ones, Miller Coors, Anheuser-Busch, stuff like that, as you know, paragons of moral virtue. I mean, look at, look at commercials they pull off. Um, they're uh, usually pretty sexist on both ends of the spectrum. Um, they are, uh, let's see, insulting to the general populace's intelligence and all this other kind of shit. But I don't know. I, I had a train of thought there, and it is still boarding at the station, clearly. Uh, previous statements from the NFL's corporate partners have generally shown confidence in the NFL's ability to get a handle on the events that have contributed to the ugliest week in NFL history. The statement from Anheuser-Busch shows no such confidence. If the NFL can't satisfy Anheuser-Busch, the NFL is at risk losing one of its most lucrative partners. <laughs> Which means Roger Goodell is at risk of losing his job. Um, to be fair, I think if Goodell loses his job, it's not going to have anything to do with Anheuser-Busch. It's just going to be the fact that he let these fucking morons run rampant and do whatever they want and didn't punish them for it. And when he did, it was too little too late. Uh, make no mistake, the reason the NFL's owners are supportive of Goodell is that the NFL's owners have made a lot of money while Goodell has run the league. Well, of course. I mean, that's why NHL's owners are happy with that fucking weasel Gary Bettman. He, he's a piece of shit and doesn't know hockey as much as he thinks he does, but the owners love him. Uh, the day Goodell's mismanagement of this issue cost the owners money is the day Goodell loses the support of the owners. Goodell has already mismanaged the Rice case. He had better figure out the right way to handle the cases of Peterson, Hardy, and McDonald. If Goodell can't get the job done, the owners will find a commissioner who can. Now, to be fair, if, if the NFL did lose Anheuser-Busch, I think that would probably end up being the final nail in the coffin against Goodell, but I don't think... Uh, it, he, I think he's out of there anyway, you know, wh whether this happens or not. Uh, comments, let's see. Uh, scoops one, when you start losing beer sponsors, then you have a problem. Uh, of course, a lot of people are calling Anheuser-Busch hypocrites on this too. Um, Anheuser-Busch could really care less on all this. No, they couldn't care less. Uh, King MJ 4891 uh, they made that statement for one reason. It has to do with profits. If Anheuser-Busch was to stop as a sponsor of the NFL, it would take such a hit, its investors would oust the whole damn board and all the company's management. Potentially. Potentially. But um, it, it, it's hard to say. Would Anheuser-Busch really do it? Um, <laughs> kind of funny. A lot of the inappropriate actions by the players are probably due in part to Anheuser-Busch products. Uh, moral advice coming from a company that promotes and sells a product that results in the direct death of thousands of Americans. Great opportunity for, for companies to flex their, quote, moral muscles and, quote, disapprove of a messy situation. Uh, and finally, sports NorCal. It's got to be a wake-up call when a low-budget, skunky beer company thinks you are a bad influence. Yeah. 
So um, I I think it's posturing by Anheuser Busch. I don't think they are really going to pull their sponsorship. It's a power play. Uh, Goodell's probably out of there regardless. Um, I don't really give a shit about football anyway. Uh, but his protecting of these overpaid fucking thugs is well obscene. So fuck that. I guess I guess Massa got a. Oh God, no! I'm not going there. Not going there. Not going there. Were, were any of those four guys white? Please tell me at least one of those four guys that did something is white. Because I know Ray Rice isn't. I don't know about the others. Ooh, ooh. A little awkward here now. So, um, so with that, I uh, got a few more little news stories before I get into the full-on topic topic of the day. Uh, another thing I'm kind of suspicious about that I don't really necessarily see happening. Um, from AJC.com, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, beer prices may skyrocket after January. Now, apparently, the increase is supposed to come because of rain in states that are producing malt and barley. Uh, Tim Moore of Angry Hank's Brewery told the Billings Gazette, our prices are stable until January, but beer prices are going up. Uh, too much water in North Dakota, Idaho, and Montana means a great deal of the barley there will germinate too early, making it unusable for brewers. Now, they say they say that now. And Jesus Christ, there's a interesting... It says related, more news headlines. Woman commits suicide by crocodile. How the fuck does that happen? Um, Moore says businesses like his have been warned to expect major price increases for malt. Moore continued, there's no panic yet. Everybody has been telling us not to panic. And this is, there was, there was the whole, um, at the beginning of the year, they were talking about a hop shortage that was going to raise the price of beer. I haven't seen that happen yet either. In fact, we're hearing about more locations now locally growing hops and, you know, not having to resort to importing it and things like that. I, they're, they're anticipating, you know, well... I guess the rain already happened. They're not anticipating it. But if... I don't know. Are there other regions? I mean, they say, you know, most brewers, I guess, are using it from those locations. Um, you know, are there are there still stockpiles here? Are there, you know, is it always, like, super, super, super fresh? I, I honestly don't know. It probably is. But this could be a completely overblown non-issue. Let's see. Cassidy Marn with the Montana Wheat and Barley Committee. There is a Montana Wheat and Barley Committee. I guess it's that big up in Montana. Uh, We had big problems back in 2002. This seems geographically widespread. And because the harvest is still going on, it's hard to tell how bad it is. See, there we go. The harvest is still going on. It may not be nearly as bad as they think it is. And okay, here we got Gawker reports some good news. 2013 was a record year for barley crops. It's believed this will help keep prices down until the beginning of 2015. Well, if it was a record year for barley crops, they may not be losing nearly as much as they think they are. Um, <laughs> and of course, on to the comments for this article. Uh, man, I can barely afford my Bud Light as it is now. I bet Obama has something to do with this mess. I'm hoping... That guy was joking. Um, Cream of Buckwheat says, Hey, man, I just give a beer. No big deal. I go smoking the weed instead. Uh, 
12 years stone, unfortunately, the most, unaf- the most effective will be the microbreweries who can't afford to keep extra barley on hand. Yeah, and this, you know what, this may be one of those cases where a brewer like Sam Adams helps out some of the smaller brewers, giving some of their barley surplus to those other brewers. Kind of like um, when there, I believe it was a hop shortage, what was it, 10 years ago, something like that. Um, oh, this is interesting. My roommate's sister makes $79 an hour on the laptop. She's been fired for nine months, but last... Ah, God, how do these people get into these comment threads? Jesus Christ. Um, oh, God. And the last one on here. This is very tragic. Have you people witnessed some of the young men in line at high school or college football game waiting to buy beer? My prediction is that when some people can't get their drug of choice, there will be more mass shootings! Again, I'd like to think that that one is not a serious comment either. Um, Roy Black on Crack says, With the drinking age in America, I'm baffled why brewers don't sponsor porns. I'm actually kind of surprised that... uh, I don't know. There, there'd probably be some kind of conflict because even with all, like, even with all the fucking thuggery and everything in the NFL, it's still, you know, that you know, family sit down and watch the game on Sunday, you know, bullshit. And you know, if you know, well, you know, being, you know, oh, we got you know, Bud Light, yeah, yeah, that's you know, that's a you know, family beer. And if they saw that, you know, Anheuser Busch sponsoring some sort of porn, porn site, something like that. They wouldn't realize the hypocrisy in it and would freak out. So, people are stupid in America. That's just kind of the way it is. Um, and speaking of Obama, Flanders News out of, uh, what is this, Belgium? Ugh, Obama finally makes good on his beer bet with Belgium from the World Cup. Now, to be fair, he has had mm, a-, a few more pressing matters going on. Just to be fair. I'm not not a big fan of his anyway, but a few things going on. Just a few. Uh, President Obama sent two crates of American beer to the Belgian embassy in Washington as a thank you for outgoing Prime Minister Ilio de Rupo. Um, The president added a handwritten note to congratulate Belgium. Belgium. Yes, Belgium. Why? Ugh. See, I'm thinking Hitchhiker's Guide now where Belgium is a curse word. Um, uh, To congratulate Belgium with the victory in the knockout phase of the World Cup in Brazil, Ilya de Rupo had challenged Obama via Twitter. If the Red Devils lost against the United States in the round of 16, he would treat the Americans to some excellent Belgian beers. Now, Belgium's managed to uh, snatch the victory, but de Rupo, because, you know, Belgian people are pretty cool anyway, did have some crates of Belgian beers delivered to the American embassy in Brussels. So, that's a pretty, pretty cool deal. They won, and they were gracious in winning. Now, two and a half months later, President Obama returned the favor. In a little accompanying note, Obama thanked the Prime Minister for the present, praised the good partnership between both countries, except on the pitch. Now, he did not disappoint me with what he sent. He sent a, um, a case of Boston Lager, and then he also sent the, um, the Fall Sam Adams Variety Pack. I give him credit for that. He, he did send craft beer. Yes, it was Sam Adams, you know, the higher, higher echelon of craft beer, but Sam Adams nonetheless, and sending one of the Variety Packs, that's actually pretty damn cool, because I think that one actually has a Saison in it, which, from what I've been told, is not much of a Saison, but i got to try it anyway. So, uh, good on him for making good on the bet. Uh, if only he could make good on those campaign promises, right? Uh, let's see, from Reuters. Heineken. 
Yes, another another big beer company here. Rejects buyout bid from Sab Miller. What? Well, um, Dutch Brewer Heineken said on Sunday it was approached by larger rival Sab Miller about a potential takeover, but that its controlling shareholder intended to keep the company independent. Good for you, Heineken. You know, Sab Miller and uh, AB InBev, I mean, they're just trying, they're trying to take everybody. Uh, the maker of Heineken and Amstel beers said it consulted with its majority shareholder and concluded that Sad Miller's proposal was, quote, non-actionable. They basically want to preserve themselves as an independent company. Um, Let's see. The founding family owns just over 50% of Heineken via Heineken Holding. A further 12.5% is owned by Mexico's FEMSA. Hmm. Uh, let's see. Part of a uh, Sab Miller strategy to protect itself from a potential takeover bid from its larger rival, world number one brewer, Anheuser-Busch InBev. So they were trying to preemptively uh, keep Anheuser-Busch InBev from absorbing them. And that's, that's, that's been something in the rumor mill for probably the better part of the past five, six months that Anheuser-Busch InBev were going to take a, a pull for, uh, for Sab Miller. But uh, nothing. They say talk of such a deal had intensified in the past week, but it doesn't seem to have intensified any more than from what I've seen over the past five months. Um, let's see. Bloomberg reported from its sources, Seb Miller's offer would have made the Heineken family one of the largest shareholders in the combined group. Uh, approach was made in the last two weeks. Uh, see if there's anything else interesting in this article. See if there's any comments. Um, oh, Rick from Texas. Here I was hoping they'd merge and stop those early stupid Heineken commercials once and for all. So Heineken will stay a, quote, independent company, even though they're still, you know, technically big beer. Um, and then uh, last bit here before I get into the topic for the week. Uh, this is from Beer Street Journal. An Indiana brew house's response to a required food menu to serve alcohol. Now, um... Let's see. I think I got the image here. Yeah, I do. I'll post it in the chat for. Well, I'll post it in the chat for Roy, because I know he's there. Uh, image, paste, boom. So basically, the reasoning behind this: there's a uh, food service requirement in the state of Indiana, and the law states. Uh, permit premises where alcoholic beverages are consumed by the quote drink are required to have food service available at all times for at least 25 persons. Minimum food service required consists of hot soups, hot sandwiches, coffee, milk, and soft drinks. So basically they're saying if you're selling alcohol, buy the drink and not, you know, buy the bottle or whatever. You have to have food service available for at least 25 people there and you got to have that variety of stuff. Soup, sandwiches, coffee, milk, soft drinks. Well, uh, they have the Bank Street Brewhouse's Indiana Statutory Compliance Restaurant Menu. First item, our famous hot dog sandwich. Microwave to perfection, including both weenie and bun sand condiments. $10. Chef Campbell's Soup of the Day, served in a bowl. Your choice of whichever can is on top of the stack. $10. Instant coffee, caffeinated only, available black or black. $5. Powdered milk, with or without water. $5. And then Sprecher Craft Soft Drinks, different flavors, market pricing. Now that 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 one's actually okay. Um, and they say this menu is available all of the time. So 
that, it's an interesting way around it. I'd like to see if some asshole actually has ordered a hot dog sandwich. Somebody probably thinks they're funny and has done it. Somebody probably thinks they're funny and has ordered the soup too and then has paid $10 for a 50-cent can of Campbell's soup. Um, apparently, though, um, I guess... Uh, I don't know. I, I I haven't seen any follow-up stories where they've gotten shit for this. Um, let's see. I guess they don't want anyone to buy hot dogs. I understand they plan to focus solely on beer, but warm pretzels might help sell a few more beers. A salty snack needs something to wash it down. With. I don't think this guy gets the point. It, it, this is a this menu is a technicality, and it just it makes the lawmakers look like idiots. Yeah, they got the the shit on the menu, but all oh, technicality, all oh, all fucking politics with the shit too. Let me have a sip here. Throat's drying out today. I feel like I spent half my fucking day on the phone in the office. Um, part of that, people needing to email me and me having to spell out my last name repeatedly again and again and again. Oh, God. So, topic, topic. What is the next wave of the craft beer movement? Now... This uh, was inspired by a uh, article on AmericanCraftBeer.com where basically they are also asking what is the next wave of the craft beer movement. Now, they start this article saying it's hard to determine if there has ever been a specific next wave of beer styles in the American craft beer market. So many brewers around the country with each offering 5 to 100 styles each year, a precise wave is difficult to ascertain. So bear with us as we examine just what to expect, blah, 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 blah. Now, if you don't want to necessarily think about it in waves, you can think about it in terms of trends. Think about kind of where we've been at the past couple years. IPAs became huge. When when I first started this show uh, back in what was it January 2013, IPAs were obviously out there, but they were not the massive entity that they are right now. Um, fuck, I just realized I forgot my phone upstairs. Oh, well, I'll text my wife during the break. Um, but they really, really, really took over. What has been the big thing this past year? It's been session ales. So where do we kind of go from there? Um, in the article, they're saying that, you know, technically back in 97, Stone put the IPA on the map but I, I don't think I don't think the wave of IPAs really really hit until last year, honestly, because then everybody was doing an IPA, and then you started the session IPAs, and then you merged into just the regular session ales. Um, another another wave of things that we've kind of seen, though, not necessarily as prevalent. Not everybody does this, whereas pretty much everybody does an IPA. Uh, barrel aged beers. You have your regular oak barrel aging, not to mention bourbon barrel, whiskey barrel, gin barrel, wine barrel. And then kind of even a a smaller subset of that, you have your wild and sour beers. Now, sour beers have a huge popularity these days. They're not nearly as widely accessible as even the barrel aged beers. I don't think sours are going to be quite there yet. I don't think... I, I, I think technology-wise, I think they're a ways away from really becoming part of the norm. 
um, as much as I wish they would be so I could get them more affordably. The production of them is still too costly at this point due to the risks of cross-contamination with the, the wild yeasts and bacteria and everything. And that that is why there are so few brewers out there compared to the you know the whole mass of brewers out there that will dip their toe into not only making you know one sour but multiple sours because of that risk of those wild yeasts and bacteria potentially infecting their other beers that they don't want to have touched look at what happened with the brewery from uh, California over the past maybe year and a half they had to recall I want to say at least half a dozen different beers because those wild yeast and bacteria got into the beers that they did not intend them to you do and now a recall right there that's you know first of all your your that beer is done it's dead unless you know somebody really wants to try it with that infection in there sometimes it may work sometimes it may not but um that's that's a huge loss for any brewery and if you know if your portfolio is not that large you know say you're a brewery that only brews five beers regularly you decide to try and do a sour and then suddenly it infects three other beers you're you're pretty well sunk that that's going to completely you know fuck you up there that's why brewers like the brewery like um uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, uh, Jolly Pumpkin. Uh, God damn it. I'm, I'm blanking on some others. I think Cigar City does some sours. Um, I think New Belgium does. You know, things like that. They they assume that risk. That's why the brewery now has that uh, separate... Separate... Um, well, separate brewery, technically. That they are going to be doing their sours and wild ales in so there's a lot less risk of that cross-contamination now very few places can do that uh, to have a separate facility for those kind of beers so that that's why i i don't see sours really hitting that that trend that wave of the craft beer movement much to my chagrin because it really is one of my favorite styles and if you've never had a sour you should definitely try one they are pricier so expect to invest a little bit more money than you might be used to but if if you like tart they're so worth it uh the article goes into yet another taboo was broken over the past few years the fruiting of beer now they're not even necessarily talking about pumpkin pumpkin is a seasonal thing and yes i would say that's a sub wave sub trend because it's not a year round kind of thing but and you know what? Technically, you could even say it's not even necessarily just a beer wave or a beer trend because everything's fucking pumpkin now. There, you know, y- y- your vodkas have a pumpkin spice. Obviously, you got your Starbucks pumpkin spice. There's pumpkin spice Trident gum now. I mean, so it's it it's not even it's not even restricted to beers. So I don't even think you could necessarily call that a trend, a true trend or a wave that is really part of beer specifically but they're talking about the fruiting of beer um let's see with the sour revolution we're now seeing every fruit under the sun being used to expand upon the wild and or sour styles uh, more recently we've seen a focus on the session style like i mentioned um 
and they ask, where will our American artisan brewers go next? Well, first, let me uh, go to the Facebook uh, thread that I created to ask about this topic. Uh, Mitch said, in all honesty, I would like especially stouts to focus on flavor rather than a rave to the highest ABV. I also think gluten-free beers will make a rise. I don't know if he was being sarcastic with that last bit there, but I, I do have a feeling that once once brewers, as I talked about last um, last show, I think as brewers figure out what they're doing with the gluten-free beers, like Glutenberg has done, and in fact, the past couple times I've been in liquor stores since last show, I've seen four packs of Glutenberg, and I've been tempted to pick it up because it was actually that good, gluten-free or not. But uh, going back to what Mitch said about stouts, to focus on flavor ra- rather than a race to the... Um, yeah, I think it was supposed to be race, not rave, but rave works too, uh, to the highest ABV. And that's that's been a big problem lately. A lot of these stouts that you see come out now are, like I mentioned, imperial stouts, or they're really trying to you know crank that uh, crank the ABV up. And usually that's the you know a trademark of an imperial stout, you know imperial Russian stout and everything. There are very few just straight up, you know. I don't want to call them session stouts necessarily, but there are very few of those out there. Um, going going into like what Stone did with their coffee milk stout, that's that's pretty close to a sessionable stout right there. They did it the right way. Now, of course, you know Stone has their you know Imperial Russian stout and everything, so I mean they're they're just as guilty as a lot of the other brewers out there, but. I'll go back to, you know, Mitch's standby beer, Guinness. Guinness is a stout. It is flavorful. Now, if you're used to the higher ABV stouts and the Imperials and everything, it's going to feel a lot lighter to you. I mean, if I if I drink a Stone IRS and then go right to a Guinness, the Guinness is going to feel like nothing. You y- you need to you need to place it in the right context. Guinness is a very flavorful stout. It's considerably low alcohol when you compare it to a lot of other things, um, which also makes it lower in calories if you're watching that sort of thing like I do. Um, there need to be more stouts out there like that. That I mean, that that would... I, I think, basically, kind of, kind of what, what Mitch is looking for is a wave of session stouts. Um because the the session beers what what they are intending to do is give you the most flavor that you can get at a lower ABV point. Now, for the most part right now, they're just straight up ales or, you know, IPAs. You don't really see session stouts out there. Like I said, I think the coffee milk stout is almost close. In fact, let me um let me see if I look up the uh, ABV of that one. I, w- I want to say it was like around five, which, let's see, coffee, milk, stout. I should get Beer Advocate to sponsor this show, shouldn't I? Um, let's see. Okay, okay th- here we go. It's it's a 4.2. 4.2. Now, compare that to Guinness, which is, and I should know this, but uh, Guinness, Guinness is 4.2. I would say that's the level for a session stout, honestly. Uh, let's see. Let's look at something like um, Narragansett Autocrat Coffee Milk Stout. That is, that's a 5.3, a little bit higher. Um, 
and I'm just kind of going here. Let's see. Uh, let me just go. Um, I'm, I'm limiting it here with like uh, coffee milk stouts. Let me just go coffee stout. Kind of see. Okay, we don't want Bourbon County, obviously. That's an Imperial there. Okay, New Glarus coffee stout. 575, eh, a little heavy. Um, I'm pretty much going through. Let's see. Uh, God damn it, that's an Imperial. Uh, Shafley Coffee Stout. Let's see what that one clocks at five seven. So yeah, really, you don't you don't see a lot of them below that five threshold. Um, what's this one? Good People Brewing Company, Birmingham, Alabama. No, that's a six. Um. Dun, dun, dun. Barrel age, that's not going to do it. That's not going to do it. Yeah, it, really, the 5% seems to be that, that threshold there. So, I, if you want to do, if you want a trend of session stouts, make them at that 4.2, 4.5 ABV. And Guinness has shown and Stone has shown you can throw a lot of flavor in at that alcohol point. So, why not? Fucking do it. Oh, hey Sherry. Sherry has entered the chat. I was, and she she must have heard me talking about Mitch. That was that was why she jumped in there. Uh, let's see what else we got in this article. Uh, now that most of the unique styles have built the foundation of craft beer culture are being accepted by the general public, it only seems natural we're seeing more basic classic styles reimagined and bolstered by what makes these beers desirable. Being fresh, local, and flavorful, we've recently seen Kolsch, Hellas. Schwarzbier, Oktoberfest Marzins, Creek, uh, Flanders, Lambic, and various other Belgian and German styles crop up more frequently than before. Um, and this is true. I mean, Oktoberfest, you know, Marzins, obviously. Um, I, I hate that they use the term Lambic there because it cannot technically be called a Lambic unless it is from Belgium. So, but I'll excuse them on that one. Um, like even Flanders too. I think it has to be a Flanders style red, unless it's from Belgium. So they're saying the next wave appears to be following our brewers' fascination with session styles. Oh, oh yes. Um, or the idea that not all of us want to be punched in the face by a big beer every time we sit down for a pint. Uh, let's see. They're talking about. Pilsner Lager, Berliner Weiss. Oh, yes. Okay, that is a style I like. That not not meaning to downplay the style at all, but to me it's like a it's like a poor man sour. It's it doesn't quite have the punch of a regular sour, but it it does what you need it to do, and it seems to be a little bit easier to find and a little bit easier on the wallet. That's a style I'd like to see pick up more. Uh, Radler. <sighs> I've seen too many failed Radlers here in the U.S. that uh, that I uh, that style bothers me a little bit. Um, traditional cask styles. Many breweries are looking to revive once popular styles that became dormant or are less common, such as oh, one of my new favorites, Ghost, um, Peterman, Steam, California Common. You know, Anchor still has a stranglehold on that. Um, Doppelbox, why isn't rock beer? It is kind of surprising how few rock beers there are out there. Um, you'll see ones, see beers that are done with smoked malts, but usually you don't quite get that, you know, like the 
Ike Schlenkerla um, rock beer taste to it. Nothing, nothing beats that. Um, <laughs> American person that knows about the region, Flanders. <laughs> Stupid Flanders. <laughs> ah, Sherry says she's been listening since I started. Just got home a bit ago and doesn't have to make no man dinner. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fuck the man. Um, let's see. Uh, da, 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 American crap. Okay. And um, also from uh, one of my colleagues, uh, uh, Breege. She says she's seeing more experimentation with wheat beer. Sometimes it means different flavors. Other times it's just different versions of the good old honey lemon variety. That may be the next big thing beyond new IPAs. That would be another good thing to dip into. It it seemed like there was a period where more and more brewers were trying their hand at wheat beers, and then they just kind of fell by the wayside. Um, like the, the one that always sticks around in my head is Sam Adams Cherry Wheat, but... If I had to, if I had to name another prominent craft, you know, just wheat beer, nothing jumps to mind. So that that's a style that th- there's so much that can be done with it, because you can really you can really play around with all those flavors more. You don't even necessarily have to you know go the fruit angle on it. You can go more herb based, something like that. You know, not trying to mimic the hops flavors in some IPAs, you know, the piney earthiness and stuff like that. But just, you know, experiment a little bit differently with the wheat, you know, um, you know, spices, you know, add a little bit of rosemary and you know, coriander or something, something like that. I'd like to see more experimentation with wheat beers as well. So session stouts and more wheat beers. That is what I'd like to see over the next year. Will we see that? I have no fucking clue. Um, okay, yep, Roy Black on Crack says Lambics are a, um, uh, a traditional specialty under European law. It has to come from the Flemish region, Zen, possibly Zene. Um, it has multiple spellings. I checked it because it was on the t-shirt. Aha! Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I thought it had multiple spellings too, so I was confident in my spelling. Um, but yeah, it, that's, and any, um... If you see an American beer, American brewed beer that is calling itself a lambic, it's not. It's it's pretty much the exact same as sparkling wine versus a champagne. If it's not from the Champagne region of France, it's not a champagne. Just as if it's not from the Flemish region Zen, it's not technically a lambic. It can be a lambic style. And to be fair, I've seen uh, brewers do that, you know, lambic style, blah blah blah, you know, Flanders style red, you know, stuff, and they're doing it right because oh, oh Jesus, let me answer the phone here because I'm getting yelled at. Hey Mitch, hey, I wanted to chime in on this whole um, things you'd like to see, blah blah blah. You hit it on the head with the uh, session stouts and yes. more flavor and less ABV. Yes, um, and I also with that whole gluten-free thing mm-hmm. i wasn't even making a joke oh cool <laughs> no i what i wasn't i not because i want them but because there's so many fucking fruity gay hipsters around that are going the gluten-free route even though they don't need to be like punchy yeah that's you know i think that there's going to be a surgence of it because i mean look at look at the organic aisle and the gluten-free aisle in the grocery stores now exactly yeah you know, it used to be a couple shelves here and there, but now it's they have entire sections cordoned off for that shit. So 
and you got to look at it this way too that you know with all the fucking hipsters and everything doing the gluten-free stuff it'll push the brewers to make more gluten-free good gluten-free beers which will actually help the people that really need it like the ones with celiac disease so right and then the, yeah. and then the stupid assholes will stop drinking it once they realize that all gluten's okay again once the fad dies down and, but the celiac people will still have their beers you know so hipsters will actually do something good for a change right and then the next best thing they could do is die that sounds good to me (laughs) anyway that's all i wanted to say just uh get my point there out there for the gluten-free stuff so okay cool thank you very much mitch no problem that was mitch you have probably heard him on many many shows such as dutch and royce and hippo juice and well this show he's called into this show probably probably more than anybody else yes um, I think Scrams is probably, uh, Scrams or Cornax, probably next on that, but Mitch, Mitch is the king of ABV call-ins. Sherry loves her man. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, Mitch had a great point there. You, you let the, you let the people who think they don't need gluten push the brewers to make these gluten-free beers, and then you finally get a whole good stock of gluten-free beers, and it's good for the celiacs. So, Everybody wins with that, and then the hipsters die, which, you know, pr- pi- hopefully have, you know, liver disease or something. Uh, let's see. So I think that was that was pretty much it with, like, the, the whole next wave of uh, the craft beer movement. So after the break, I got uh, some other random stuff coming up. Uh, there was a good infographic from the Huffington Post about the cost breakdown of a six pack of craft beer and why it, you know, costs you 12, 13, 14 bucks. It does at least make sense when they break it down. Um, colleges offering, well, there's one college offering a minor in craft beer. And then there are some other colleges that actually have courses Uh, a little bit about the, uh, bottling and canning of beers, uh, cans, bottles, plastic bottles and all that, that good stuff there. So I will uh, hit up that and more after the break here on Alcohol by Volume. Alcohol by Volume, Kevin Show. It's the name of the show. More like radio, less like crap. Want more Alcohol by Volume? Because I'm kind of drunk for this shit nuts. Download past episodes at morelikeradio.org. Join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash alcohol by volume. Like the Facebook page, facebook.com slash MLR alcohol by volume. And follow along on Twitter at MLR underscore alcohol. I find your drunkenness very unappealing. I am drunk, or I wouldn't be talking to you. Fuck Radio Meltdown. I literally think I got an Instagram. I think I posted one, possibly two photos, and I haven't touched the same. Both of beer. No, actually, uh, one of them was of... Uh, His I know balls. I- <laughs> <laughs> it never ends. <laughs> Talk Radio Meltdown every Friday from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern on morelikeradio.com. Hey, smokers, you stink. I'm not talking about your character. That's a given. I'm talking about your clothes. It's time to kick the butts and move over to something more pleasant. I'm talking about e-cigs from Smokeless Image. They're cheaper than cigarettes, don't smell, and are available in a wide variety of flavors ranging from mints, fruits, desserts, or the traditional tobacco flavors if that's what you want. Simply go to tinyurl.com slash mlrsmoke for all your vaping needs. That's tinyurl.com slash mlrsmoke. 
The Conti and Kenny Show. Real, real quick, Go ahead. Marianne in the chat room was like, do I know you mudflaps? Never thought I'd ever ask a question like that. <laughs> no, that's me. Well, she must have been standing naked over a mirror on the floor. <laughs> Do I know you, Mudflaps? My gyno does. <laughs> Open up. Here comes the here comes the, uh, the 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 tongs. Here comes the old vagina salad tongs. <laughs> Come on, I see a crouton in there. <laughs> the Conti and Kenny Show. Monday nights, 7 to 10, on morelikeradio.com. Hey, are you absolute garbage? Let me guess, an alcoholic? A drug addict? When was the last time you were even out of your house? Well, why don't you join us for the Red Show? We're all about personal betterment and self-esteem. I want to do, uh, you know, maybe like uh, City Meets the Swamp, something. Something. I hope it ends up with the fucking city getting eaten by a goddamn alligator. Ambassadors of peace at any income level. That's what we do here. We're all about olive branches. <laughs> no, you're a fucking white trash asshole. You're about olive fucking garden, okay? <laughs> One thing we don't forget is how important our fans are. Is there anything more you want to say about any of these uh, cocksuckers that are listening? No, I don't think so. Okay. And we recognize the struggles and hardships of our friends. We don't give a fuck. I hope you relapsed. Bird in hell, bull. Oh, my God. God, what are you I meant I love you, bro. Get better. So come join us live Wednesday nights and experience functional substance abuse on The Red Show. Only on More Like Radio. You're doing some things with Enya, correct? I I hope you end your life. Now get off the the microphone while I talk to my pal. Mr. Turtle, how many hosts does it take to make a podcast as good as the Shy Kids podcast? I ain't never made it through a whole episode. Ask Mr. Owl. Mr. Owl, how many hosts does it take to make a podcast as good as the Shy Kids podcast? Let's find out. A one, a two, a three, three. How many hosts does it take to make a podcast as good as the Shy Kids podcast? The world may never know. I said three, motherfucker. The Shy Kids podcast. Saturdays, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific at morelikeradio.com. You know, at the start of the last episode, we went through uh, different nationalities, you know, and now people know that we're Irish. <laughs> and now people know that we're all shite at accents as well. <laughs> but I was wondering, is it prejudiced to not make fun of, like, all of the countries? You go for Well, name check every country on the show that way. No one can be mad. How about that? I could do Swedish. Oh yeah, what? Birdie, birdie. <laughs> and to the Italians, Papa the poopy. Papa the poopy. <laughs> okay. To the Mexicans, the hey, man. <laughs> uh, Spain. <laughs> uh, Singapore. <laughs> Amazing. Australians? Cockerel Doom Dark. No. You big loop, are you? <laughs> no, that sounds That's like Limerick or something. <laughs> That's right, we never slide off the Irish, do we? Someone put a bomb in me potato. <laughs> <laughs> 
There you go. OSW Review. All Irish, all racist. <laughs> Saturday's noon east. Join Halls and Rorschach as they bring you the news you need to get you through your weekend. Ollie, Ollie, can you hear me? Yes. <laughs> okay, Ollie, I'm outside right now. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's really boring hard out here. Uh, Sounds like it. Where are you at? Are you in Antarctica? <laughs> uh, wait a minute, Ollie. I see somebody coming toward me. There's a, there's a man coming toward me. Hey guys, it's Halls from It's All About Me. Join Rorschach and myself every Saturday from noon to 2 Eastern Time right here on More Like Radio. Do you like video games? Are you a little antisocial? Well, listen to Antisocial Gamer Radio Tuesdays from 3 to 5 on morelikeradio.com. Have you ever wanted something so bad that you do just about anything for it? Well, that's exactly how we feel about you. That's right. AdamandEve.com wants you so bad. We're giving you 10 free gifts with your first order. You heard me right. That's 10 free gifts to spice up your love life. First, you'll get a sexy surprise for her. Second, an adventurous toy for him. And third, a little something we know you'll both enjoy. Plus, you'll get six full-length adult movies on DVD. And number 10, free shipping on your entire order. That's 10 free gifts for you shy types who've never tried Adam and Eve before. Just go to adamandeve.com and select any one item. It could be an adventurous new toy, a sexy piece of lingerie, or anything you desire. Just enter offer code DEAL48 at checkout and you'll get all 10 free gifts, including free shipping. That's offer code DEAL48. That's D-E-A-L-48 at adamandeve.com. Hey, you. Yes, you guessed 10,542. Change your username. And while you're in the More Like Radio live page listening to fine quality programming, notice the banner ad just slightly above the chat room. It's a link to something you want in Amazon. Click it. It's probably reminding you to order something you need from Amazon.com. Don't leave MLR and type the URL like a sucker. Just click the link and it'll open in a new window. This way you can buy your shit and continue listening to the show. Now, Change your username. It's right there on the right, stupid. A ton of lineup stronger than Owen Hart's safety harness. More like radio.com. Other internet radio stations are gay. You're listening to Alcohol by Volume on More Like Radio. Yeah, but I don't understand how you guys could let this happen. It was not my fault. I was working behind the bar. Come on, Dennis. You remember what it was like in high school. The minute that we caught word that a bar wasn't carding, we would just pack the place the following weekend. They probably had a recon crew come in last week. Oh, they definitely had a recon. Why, you guys? Why were we not carding? Not my job, not dude. My job not your It's all of our jobs. Dude, we could get into a lot of trouble for this. And we also have a social responsibility to keep teenagers from drinking. Well, I don't know about that, though. Oh, Mac. Mac. No, wait, well, hold on. Okay, hold on a second. Hear me out, though. Hear me out. It wasn't that long ago that we were in the same position as these youngsters, right? I mean, we get kicked out of some bar, and what do we do, Dan? We would get a bunch of 40s from a homeless guy, 
and we go sit in some park, right? That is true. That, that is, is true. Absolutely and true. what would happen? We would almost get raped and or murdered and or stabbed by the crackheads in Fairmont Park. You want to know what else what would happen? We drove Nikki Potnik's car into a tree on Kelly Drive. With Sweet Tea in the back seat, puking all over the headrest. Because some guy talked to her that she liked. Remember that? Every time some guy talks to you that you like, you get so nervous. No, you drink yourself into oblivion. Salad. You, you drink you, yourself you crazy. You abused alcohol, and that's okay. That's okay, but it's very dangerous, right? Right? Okay, well maybe we should look at this whole thing from a different angle. Maybe we have a social responsibility to provide a safe haven for these kids to be kids. You know, experiment. Welcome back to Alcohol by Volume here on More Like Radio. If you want to Skype in, Skype name, Alcohol by Volume, all one word, or the phone number, 862-345-7125. We are live every Tuesday night from 6 to 8 p.m. on morelikeradio.com. I actually just had this come up in my Twitter feed for uh, my uh, buddies here in New Jersey. Uh, Founders is having a a tap takeover at End of Elm in Morristown, New Jersey. End of Elm is a gastro pub. Kind of sits in the shadow of the Morristown train station. They're going to be featuring several Founders beers on tap. Uh, It's this Thursday, September 18th. In addition, there will be a very limited release of Founders KBS at 6 o'clock. Arrive early at 5 o'clock for tickets as they will sell out. For more information, please contact End of Elm at 973-998-4534. I'm very tempted to go to this. The only problem is I probably would not be able to drive home. Uh, Yes, I would be by a train station, but the Morristown train station does not get... uh, service anywhere near to where I need to go. Then again, uh, I could always just take the train back to my office. Yeah, yeah, that'd be the way to do it. Yeah, I get on the train, uh, the station near my office, then take the train into Morristown, get drunk on some KBS, and then uh, head back to work, maybe sleep it off a little bit in my office, and then go home. I'm sure my wife with a toddler and a newborn at home would absolutely love that right i've had kbs before so and if 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 i had nothing else going on i'd probably be okay with doing this but i would feel very guilty leaving my wife alone at home i mean i leave her at home all day but yeah roy black on crack says sleep slash camp in your car yeah, you know, my, my, my car my car is a great, great kind of place for that. I mean, I get out of work at four, so I could just freaking go to East of Elm. Hell, I could probably I could probably run there within like an hour. Uh, but no, I, yeah, so I could just, uh, you know, camp out there in my car. Um, I, it's not like I haven't slept in my car before when uh, drinking, or it's not like I have not drank in my car, allegedly. You know, sometimes you got to do something on your lunch break, allegedly. With my job, sometimes you need something to take the edge off, allegedly. And, you know, that's what session ales are good for, allegedly. Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. So, from Huffington Post, here's how a six-pack of craft beer, uh, the cost of it breaks down. God damn, I was looking at the menu on End of Element. It looks good. Ugh, I love a good gastropub. I know it seems kind of hipstery, but they got good beer, good food. Come on. 
Uh, okay, again from Huffington Post is from uh, Joe Satran. Uh, da, 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 never been a better time to be a beer drinker in America. Explosion in quality comes at a price. Few, with few exceptions, prices for good craft beer are far higher than for mainstream macro brews from uh, brewing conglomerates such as Miller Coors and Anheuser-Busch. A six-pack of beer from breweries like Dogfish Head, Ballast Point, or Cigar City almost always cost more than $10 and routinely exceed the $15 mark. Uh, you could easily get a 12-pack of Bud Light for that much. Yeah, I mean, like, look at... Um, Dogfish Head Pumpkin. I believe that's sold in a four-pack, and that's $10 right there. Uh, part of the price differential is due to marketing. Uh, like vendors of designer clothing, acclaim craft breweries can charge more because their customers expect to pay more for luxury goods. But once you really scale down um, everything that goes into it, it makes a little bit more sense. Um, so the infographic they have, kind of going by percentages here, uh, malt, 5% of their cost, hops, 4%, yeast, 1%, packaging, 13%, labor, 1%, brewer's margin, 8%, uh, shipping, 6%, federal tax, 1%, state tax, 1%, so they're not taxed all that much at all, um, loss, 2%, distributor's margin, this is where it starts to get bigger, distributor's margin, 21%, okay, Retailer's margin, 31%. Sales tax, 7%. So, kind of gives you the idea there. Now, it seems like a pretty normal division there. You got your retailer, you got your distributor, you got your um, your actual ingredients, materials, and stuff like that. And it seems to, it seems to divide up normally. Well, um, they decided to kind of break this up and um, explain at each step what costs are really involved with those um most beers contain four basic raw ingredients water malt hops and yeast beer brewing uses a great deal of water about five gallons are required to produce one gallon of beer and water access has become a problem for some growing craft breweries on the west coast which has been experiencing a major drought for the past couple of years but even in southern california water remains so cheap that it's not a serious concern for most breweries when it comes to pricing so they leave that out of the equation so then they get into the malt, the hops, and the yeast. Well, with the malt, uh, let's see here. A medium-sized craft brewer can expect to pay $0.40 cents to $0.50 cents per pound for malt, whereas a macro brewer, like you know, Anheuser-Busch or Miller Coors or something like that, pays closer to $0.22 cents a pound. And while a macro brewer uses about 40 pounds of malt, to make a barrel of low-alcohol beer, a craft brewer might use 70 pounds to 100 pounds of malt to make a barrel of IPA or a stout. So there, there is that dichotomy there between not only the price, but the amount of materials used. With hops, it's pretty much the same thing. Um, they're talking about how most hops cost 4 to $6 a pound. Some specialty, specialty types can cost as much as $20 a pound. And they go on to say that macro brews contain almost no hops. Compared to craft beers, yes. Okay. Um, but obviously, you, know, you need some hops in beer. Uh, that's why they taste so drinkable and unbitter. A macro brewer might add a pound of cheap, say $3 a pound, hops to a barrel of beer. Meanwhile, a craft brewer could easily put four pounds of $7 a pound hops into a barrel of hoppy IPA. Again, they're paying more for the materials and using more of it. Um, 
It's it's not even necessarily like the macro brewers are getting a bulk discount, although they are, but they're also using less of it. So, you know, profit margins go through the roof there. Um, they went on to say here, all told, a typical six-pack of craft beer contains 53 cents worth of hops. That's pretty impressive right there. While a six-pack of macro brew contains maybe five cents worth. Uh, of course, sky's the limit on the craft beer side. Uh, super hoppy double IPA with ultra premium hops could include more than a dollar worth of hops. And then they get into the yeast, which is another category that ranges wildly in price. Um, very large brewers typically cultivate their own yeast and rarely spend significant money on it. So their cost is practically nil on that. You get your initial investment and then cultivate away and you're pretty much self-sustaining at that point. Some craft brewers do this, not all of them, obviously. Um, most others regularly buy fresh batches of yeast from uh, companies that produce it for the beer market. There are two main ones that do it. Uh, San Diego's White Labs and Oregon's Y-East. And I think I've mentioned Y-East in the past. Um, Jesus. Overnighting a batch of yeast large enough to brew a 30-barrel batch of beer is extremely expensive, around $800. Most brewers try to reuse the yeast as many times as possible, often around four times, which would imply a per six-pack cost for yeast of $0.13, less than malter hops, but still significant. And I can verify the reusing of the yeast when I was uh, when I went to Cricket Hill and they uh, did the tour there. They were talking about reusing the yeast, um, just kind of you know filtering it out, and I believe he said reusing it three up to four times. So that that's definitely correct there. Uh, it should be noted that a few breweries insist on buying fresh yeast every time they brew beer. Um, let's see. Toppling Goliath in Decorah, Iowa. Uh, the owner of Toppling Goliath said the increased quality and consistency more than justifies 50 cent per six pack cost of fresh yeast. So that that's why Toppling Goliath, you know, may be a little bit more expensive than others in you know this case. Uh, additional ingredients are talking about um, specialty beer, you know, coffee beans, chipotle peppers. Uh, spices and all the, all the other stuff I always talk about that goes into beers. You know, um, Anheuser-Busch is not worrying about putting cherry into their beers. They're not worrying about putting rosemary or sage or lemon zest or anything like that into their beers. So that's another additional cost for these craft brewers. Um, you know, the, the, if the day comes that, uh, you know, Anheuser-Busch does a, you know, a coffee beer or something i will be shocked although there was one one uh one thing coming up in the new beer releases and reveals that uh it's one of those things that i i never thought i'd see and uh, if you have not seen it yet you will you'll be very very surprised uh then they go into brewing aging and packaging uh let's see Going rate for a ground-level brewer at a non-union brewery is about $12 an hour, meaning it costs $200 in labor to make a batch of beer. Assuming the 30-barrel batches that are standard at relatively small breweries, that means $0.15 of labor goes into a typical six-pack of craft beer. Um, Packaging is apparently rather expensive. 
even buying in bulk a glass bottle with a beer label affixed to it can cost as much as 20 cents. The cardboard container that holds a six-pack costs a few more cents. So packaging can add as much as a buck fifty to the cost of a six-pack. And that I, I that makes sense to me, especially since that's you know a reusable, recyclable material too. Um, packaging is often one of the single biggest expenses a brewery incurs. Uh, the amount drops significantly when a brewery is selling beer by the half barrel to restaurants, but it's still considerable. And it makes me think when I was at Cricket Hill again, just seeing the pallets upon pallets of beer, uh, empty beer bottles, pallets upon pallets of the um, the six packs, the uh, like the cardboard flattened cardboard six packs and the the case boxes and everything. It, I, I'm not surprised that that is that is a huge expense because. And it, you you got to consider, you know. Well, I, I don't even know if they're. I don't even know if they're taking into account the. Um, let me see here. It, it honestly doesn't even look like they're taking into account the design of those six packs, the design of the labels. Sometimes, you know, for more um, for brewers that. Uh, go a little bit different with their bottles like Kona Brewing. Yeah, okay, yeah, they're they're um what is it? I'm trying to remember who owns stake in them. I think it's Anheuser Busch, I can't remember. Um but they have, you know, kind of special bottles that have like, you know, islands of Hawaii um embossed on them and stuff. So I mean the cost I'm not surprised by the packaging. But you gotta add the designing in there too and you gotta pay someone for that. And if you do a different art design every year, you gotta pay for that and you know it, it, that adds up. Um talking about aging, you know, the barrel aging of beers. Um a brewery has to buy a barrel usually from a bourbon distiller for about a hundred dollars for this process. That doesn't surprise me either because I know that I, wow, again, Cricket Hill, they were selling used barrels. Um basically stuff that they didn't think they were going to be able to get anything more out of. And even then, they were still selling the barrel, I think, for about $80. So uh, if they make that money back, good for them. But if not, it's kind of rough. Um, it takes a valuable time and space in the brewery, hard to quantify. Barrel aging adds about a dollar to the final cost of a six-pack. Uh, relatively few beers undergo barrel aging. They don't include the cost in their main analysis. Um Let's see, uh, buying equipment, renting space, um, several hundred thousand dollars, often in excess of one million, ongoing costs, promotional events, advertising, research, and development that aren't even included in the labor above. And that's where the, the design goes into it, too, that I was talking about. Uh, basic microeconomics tells us it's unwise to explicitly account for these past expenses called sunk costs when pricing a product. The owner of the brewery eventually has to recoup that investment, not mention, not to mention make a living. To do that, breweries typically add a healthy markup to cost before selling the beer to a distributor. Around 50% of gross costs, leading to a margin of 33%, assuming raw ingredient... Wow, it was like an economics class here. Assuming raw ingredient... Okay, ingredients. $1.31, labor, $0.15, cents, packaging, buck fifty. The brewer's margin ends up adding about $0.91 cents to the final cost of the six-pack. Strangely enough, not that much there. Not that much when you think about it. And then you got shipping. Um, I know we complain about, or at least I do, I complain about, you know, why doesn't so-and-so distribute here? Like, I want, you know, New Belgium to distribute to New Jersey. I want Cigar City to distribute to New Jersey. 
Well, yeah, you know, if you if you get a you know a local distributor, you still got to ship the stuff, you know, via the distributor and everything, and that it, that incurs shipping costs, and that is fucking expensive. Um, let's see, uh, refrigerated trucks out of California more expensive in the summer. Uh, depending on the time of year and the type of truck, it costs five to seven thousand dollars to send a truck across the country. Truck generally carries 18 pallets of goods. You could fit around 80 cases of beer onto one pallet. That translates into shipping costs of 67 cents for each six-pack trucked across the country. Then they go into excise taxes, which are, you know, taxes are taxes. Um, basically saying they add about 23 cents to the price of a six-pack. Distribution. That's, that's on top of, you know, the shipping to the distributor, so... Um, almost all beer sold in America must pass through a distributor before it reaches a consumer. Um, so these services, uh, thanks to their legally mandated monopoly, they generally mark beer up drastically. Like I mentioned in the infographic, the distributor's margin, 21%. Yes, yes, yes. Um, they generally mark beer up drastically. 50% is normal. All the costs we've discussed so far mean that a distributor might buy a six-pack from a brewer for 4.75. The distributor's markup plus the cost of the lost product adds wait, oh, they were talking about like loss along the supply chain, uh, theft, broken bottles so forth. Previous paragraph. Um, oh, they're saying that might account for uh, 5% of the total. So they're they're accountable for any of that theft and uh, broken bottles and whatnot. So um, the distributor's markup plus the cost of the lost product adds 2.73 to the price of a six-pack. So uh, just that. Let's see. The the six pack is bought from the brewer for four seventy five. That becomes six. Uh, we're at about seven fifty for a six pack, and that's before we've even gotten to retail. A uh, typical retailer would okay. Yes, I was about right. uh, would buy a six pack of craft beer for about seven forty eight from a distributor. The retailers they spoke with for the article said that for sought after craft beers, there's relatively little wiggle room on pricing at this stage, and that's true. Um, from shop to shop, I, to be honest, I don't see a lot of variation in price. Um, if I'm getting a six pack of Sam Adams cherry wheat at, um, Sandy's wine and spirits down the street, and then I go further down the street to, you know, shop, right liquors, chances are it's probably going to be the same price. They're Sometimes maybe a dollar difference, but for the most part, costs seem to be the same um, for a lot, a lot of the beers. Occasionally you hit a sale, but for the most part, stuff is pretty much, pretty much, the markup is pretty much set at retail. Um, let's see. Now, they, they say, um, as anyone who's comparison shop beer within a given city can attest, they have broad discretion on how much they'll charge the consumer. They may have broad discretion, but honestly, again, I don't see that much price differentiation out here. Um, I I do not specifically price compare, but I'm you know I'm I know I pretty I pretty much know how much I should be spending on a six pack. And if I you know if I see, you know for instance again go back to the Sam Adams Cherry Wheat. If I see that selling somewhere for twelve bucks, I know that that's more than I should be paying for it. Um, like a beta purple haze. I expect usually to pay about nine ninety nine a six pack for that. 
if it's ten ninety nine somewhere, okay, I I'm fine with that. Twelve ninety nine, okay, you're charging me an arm and a leg too much. But they're saying a run in the mill bottle shop is likely to mark up beer by around the same amount as the brewery and distributor. Distributor that's fifty percent or three seventy five on a seven forty eight six pack. Once you add the seven percent sales tax, approximately the national median, you get almost exactly twelve dollars a six pack. And honestly, for, for the beers that we drink, for the craft beers that we drink, yeah, it gets pricey after a while. Yeah, we would be so much better off money-wise just, you know, spending the six ninety nine for a six-pack of Bud Light or the, you know, two ninety nine for a six-pack of PBR cans or whatever. But, ugh. I mean, yeah, you can also, you know, you know, eat McDonald's all the time or you could, you know, actually go somewhere and have a fantastic, more delicious burger. I'm not denying that uh, McDonald's is not delicious. It is delicious. It's disgusting, but it's also delicious. But, you know, it, it's a trade-off. It's a trade-off. Um, like I said, the, the one I'm drinking right now, I spent uh, 15 bucks on that six-pack. I have gotten four packs of sours that I've spent $20 on. Um, single 22-ounce bottles, or, you know, 750-milliliter bottles that I've spent $25, $30 on. It, it all varies. And then then there's some craft like the um, uh, fucking um, uh, Simpler Times lager from uh, Trader Joe's that you can get a six-pack for $2.99. It, it, it's really all over the place. There are going to be ones that are, you know, 12 There are going to be ones that are 15 There are going to be ones that are $8, $9. You know, it, it, it all it all depends on what craft you drink. Um, let's see. Let's look at the commenters. See if it's interesting. A uh, guy next to me in line at the liquor store laughed at my twelve ninety nine four pack. I told him there was more beer in my four sixteen ounce cans of Oscar Blues Brewery Goodnight than his whole case of Bud. And actually, oh that I didn't. It didn't even dawn on me. Goodnight um, is, um, or at least it was, on tap at the uh, place I got my growler filled. I should have tried that when I was there. They said it was really good. Um, some dude with a tall can of Bud gave me a weird look as I was purchasing a six-pack of Titan IPA. Um, let's see. Um, most brewers don't want to have to self-distribute. Yeah, that makes sense because that's that's just another cost. You know, and it, the logistics of it are a pain in the ass. Um. Let's see. Volume production using cheaper ingredients, lower cost. Well, yeah, okay. So obviously, yeah. I mean, the difference between the you know the big brewers and the craft brewers, obviously, obviously. But somebody else here is saying, you know, my average price of craft beer is seventy nine, seven ninety nine to eight ninety nine in a six pack. Yeah, there are a few like described in this article, but they're the exception, not the norm. Somebody else responded, maybe in Louisiana, but these prices are spot on for larger metro areas in the U.S. Honestly, I. I I think you know my average is about ten dollars for for a six um, six pack of craft beer. If you're you know say you're in New York City, you're probably closer to twelve thirteen. If you're out in well, actually probably if you're out in BFE, it may even be closer to fourteen fifteen just because you're a captive audience in that respect. I wouldn't be surprised with that at all. Um. But uh, so that that's pretty much that's pretty much how it scales out. Um, 
I'll probably post this uh, this article with the infographic on the Facebook page at some point, uh, if not tonight, perhaps tomorrow. Uh, let's see what I got here. Uh, the initial article that I had uh, picked up, it had to do with uh, Paul Smith's College in Upstate New York offering a minor in craft beer. So I'll start with that here. Uh, this month, the college announced it would start offering a craft brewing minor to all of its students. I got this from uh, nationaljournal.com. Unlike traditional brewing programs, most of these courses get into the business of craft beer, how to market, distribute, and promote the increasingly popular adult beverage. So the interesting part of this is that I guess you could more say it's a marketing class, but it's it's a very focused marketing class. <laughs> Uh, Joe Conto, the director of the Hospitality Resort and Tourism Management Program at Paul Smith's, is the man behind the new academic option. Um, you know, we have a hospitali- hospitality resort tourism management uh, program at uh, where I work, and I'm surprised they have not... I I believe they actually have a um, uh, some courses dealing with wine, because I know they had specific wine tastings that they dealt with classes, but I don't think they've delved into beer at all. Uh, homebrewer himself. Uh, he found himself drawn to the minor through the growing popularity of craft beer nationwide and through the food courses he was already teaching. Beer just began to take up more and more of the semester. It became more and more interesting to the students, certainly, but to me as well. Then I realized, holy cow, I could just teach a course on beer. And then I said, well, really, I could teach a whole major on beer. And then I thought, well, I'll just settle for a minor. Whack, whack. <sighs> Phrasing. Uh, students in the course take a uh, students in the program. Sorry, take a course on marketing, an introduction to entrepreneurship, advertising, and promotion. A course on food chemistry, understanding how food reacts in a chemical makeup, and the basics of brewing and fermentation. A practical brewing lab, brewing the major types of ale in small batches, taught by a local brewer. And a course on the business of craft beer, learning how to make money from the product, along with other elective courses in the food and beverage industry. That actually sounds damn interesting. Now, I mean, I. Ugh, they, to be fair, like the, the the business courses would probably just bore me to death. The practical brewing lab I'd be into, the food chemistry I'd be into, and even the marketing. Because I've always wanted to do something in advertising. I just don't have the talent to do it. But that would be very interesting. Um, for instance, I, I need to figure out more ways to promote my show. I, I, if I got all my business cards that I'm going to try and hand out uh, at the next beer fest I go to, and the business cards look fucking fantastic. I just got to hope people, you know, don't take a look at them and toss them away. But I figure if I'm at a festival and I hand them out to 50, you know, let's say there's 25 brewers, you know, two people at each booth. If I hand out cards to every one of them at the booths out of 50 people, if even one holds on to the business card, I'll be happy with that. Maybe I have low expectations. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm self-deprecating like that. But uh, let's see. The college, situated in Anirondack State Park, serves about 1,000 undergraduates in its three main academic con- uh, divisions, liberal arts, science, and business, forestry and fishing, and culinary arts. Uh, the recently retired CEO of Dunkin' Donuts, John Luther, is an alumnus. Um, let's see. And just basically goes into how people of all backgrounds are getting interested in it. Um education tracks at other places that are offering like Cicerone certification and stuff like that. 
Um, not a lot. Of the, not a lot of other details in this article. But the next article I got. Uh, this was actually sent to me on the uh, Facebook group, facebook.com/group/alcohol-by-volume, by uh, Rich from Arizona. Six universities that, uh, well, they say offer a degree in beer, but not technically a degree. We're talking courses here. So uh, they mentioned Paul Smith's here, offering the minor in the business of craft beer. Oregon State has a fermentation science program. Uh, courses in, okay, I take it back. It's actually a major. Include brewing science, brewing analysis, wine production, analysis, and sensory evaluation. That is a class I could use. Because as much as I wish I could analyze beers with the best of them, I I know I'm missing out on so much. Uh, Fermentation, microbiology, and topics in fermentation. Uh, Colorado State University, you can attain a fermentation science and technology degree offered through the Department of Food Science and Human Nutrition in the College of Health and Human Services. Good God, if you're drunk, you can't say that. Students will learn the science and art of fermenting foods and beverages like pickles, ooh, cheese, bread, yogurt, and beer. Uh, Appalachian State University uh, approved in June 2012. ASU offers a Bachelor of Science degree in Fermentation Sciences. Students learn about the science of brewing both wine and beer and are provided with real-world classroom experiences at local vineyards, wineries, breweries, distilleries, and biotechnology businesses. Basic, but cool. Uh, University of California, Davis. They have a master brewers program, an 18-week intensive course of studying, preparing uh, students for the Institute of Brewing and Distilling Diploma in Brewing exam, an internationally recognized standard of achievement and professional qualification for brewers and those who want to work with beer. Major topics include malting, mashing, brewing, fermenting, and finishing, uh, while brewery engineering topics include fluid flow, heat, and mass transfer, solid liquid separation, and more. And I think that part of that is why oof, I, I know I'm not going to be that crazy mad scientist home brewer because I I was never, never very good at the whole science thing. And, and, and that's why I could never work at a brewery actually being responsible for the brewing because I'd be like, nah, this is close enough. Nah, this is clean enough. Nah, it looks good. Eh, tastes close enough. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd fuck everything up. I'd bankrupt a whole brewery. And the last one in this list, Auburn University in Alabama. Uh, I do not have the Alabama man clip. Sorry, wrong show. Uh, is tapping into the booming beer business by offering a graduate certification in brewing scientist. The inaugural class of 2014 was open to just 10 students who will learn about the science of craft beer making and the business of owning a microbrewery during the 18-hour curriculum. That one doesn't sound all that detailed compared to the other ones, but again, this is a new one. It was just 10 students. So um, let's see. Da, 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 da. The brewer from the Bronx Brewery was handpicked from UC Davis. Interesting. Um and I, I, I would be if if they, um, Jesus Christ, world's first feminist computer game replaces guns with tampons, and it's actually fun to play. What the fuck? Oi, oi, oi! Why do I see other headlines on these sites? Um. Oh, okay. And Sherry says if you go to school for hospitality, I think it's required to take a wine tasting class. That that doesn't surprise me. Then 
I figure that would make sense. Pro- probably just so. It, it probably doesn't hurt that if you're, <laughs> if you end up serving the wine, and not necessarily you know being the server. Although I know at the hospitality school on my campus, um, a lot of people just in the program they like interned as servers and stuff like that for events. Um, but I figure if you're actually you know uncorking this wine and serving it. It's probably a good idea to know the difference between a Pinot Noir and a Beaujolais and stuff like that, and just you know, sight, taste, smell, all that stuff. So that that would make sense to me. And I guess for you know, for the brewing business, you need to know the same things. You want to know the difference between you know a Marzen and an IPA, and you know, and you know, uh, Hefeweizen, you know, stuff like that. And you know, I, I wish I was, I wish I was that good at this point. Uh, a lot of beers I can I can identify on taste and on sight and on smell. There's some styles I still just can't do it yet, but I uh, I'm I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I I will maybe be there. I don't know next decade or so. Uh, so let's see what's the time looking at. Um, got a little bit of time left here before I get into the uh, new beer releases and reveals for the week. So, um, you know what? Uh, I'm not even gonna. I was talking about. Um, I got some articles having to deal with. It's it's another bottle versus can debate. Talking about why beer's not in plastic bottles. I think I may actually hold those off for next week, if anything, because there was a uh, list that I found on Draft Mag, and I know a list, a list. This one was actually pretty cool though um and i i have a feeling like mitch and sherry would be interested in something like this um i i I occasionally like to take pictures of my beers i don't think any of my shots are particularly worthy of craftiness like in this article but if they were there are some damn cool ideas out here this article is (laughs) oh excuse me 10 things to do with your beerstagrams yes they said beerstagrams so, if you're taking nice, artsy shots of beer, nice, kind of, you know, basically professional-looking shots, you know, well-lit and stuff like that, and there are a lot of people out there that do, um, and there, there are a lot of people, too, that they're not even trying, and they just manage to take fucking fantastic photos, and I want to strangle them, because they're just naturally talented, and I am not. Uh, the first one on here, when your when your iPhone gets full, the Groovebook app sends 100 shots to be printed in a sleek postcard a postcard sized book, three dollars per month. That's kind of cool and very affordable. However, again, I I don't think I uh, I don't think I have 100 shots of beer on my Instagram. I don't even think I have 25 shots of beer on my Instagram. And you know me, I drink a lot of beer. But it's kind of a neat idea. It'd be a neat little, you know, mini coffee table book kind of thing. Next one here, Coastermatic.com prints your pictures on stone coasters, $25 or four, that can double as art. What better coaster to drink from than, or to, you know, place your glass on for your beer than something that already has beer on it? I didn't phrase that right at all, but you kind of understood what I was going for there. I needed a drink. That was the problem. Um, let's see. Uh, number three on the list. Beerify a big blank wall 
with ixidesign.com's ixxidesign.com's snap together Instagram mosaics from $45. Let me take a look at this link here. Oh god damn it, I don't want the image you son of a bitch. Um so I opened some of these. I didn't open all of them before. Ixid design. Uh snapped. Oh, okay, okay. All snapped together kind of stuff. Um Anybody's interested in this one, you know what? I'll copy this and uh, paste it into the chat at morelikeradio.com slash live. This is actually kind of interesting. Um, I think you'd have to have the right kind of house for this one. But um, something, hell, I mean, I I guess, I mean, you you could honestly do anything with this. I I don't know if they limit you with with copyright or not. Um, Create your own ICSI. Your own images. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's all in uh, euros too. So gotta uh, gotta uh, convert that uh, silicon ICSI from the image bank. Your own image. Okay. Yeah. So you can you know have images of your kids or something like that. There's special collection that has a fixed size and things like that. So, but pricey, very pricey, and y- you clearly gotta have the right kind of right kind of uh, residence to uh, carry something like this out. I certainly do not. Not where I live now and not where I will be living uh, after the end of the year. So, yeah. Um, let's see, next one on here. Or spiff up a small space with a single 20 by 20 inch canvas from canvaspop.com. Starts at $67. Um, again, I don't think I have taken a picture good enough, at least not a beer, that I'd want to put it on 20 by 20 inch canvas. Oddly enough, the best pictures I've been taking recently... Uh, have been of my son. I don't know how the hell that happened. I guess he must be photogenic or something because I am not a good photographer. Uh, number five, upload a handful of favorite shots to uh, casetify.com. Turn them into a new smartphone case for $40. Eh, I don't know. I go through smartphones and cases so frequently. I don't think I'd want to spend 40 bucks on one. But if you really have a picture you like and... Uh, you have a smartphone that you think you're going to keep for a good long while, spend the 40 bucks, do it. Um, show folks you mean beer business with sleek square business cards via Moo. Moo? Moo? Uh, yeah, us.moo.com. Interesting. Uh, it starts from $20. Well, you know what? I got my cards. I got my business cards, my ABV business cards that are fucking beautiful. Uh, and then I'm, again, going to be handing out at the next festival. Uh, I got them for less than 20 bucks, and I think I have like 100 of them here, so fuck you, moo. Uh, but I guess they're kind of going for, you know, just beer pictures here, so whatever. Uh, load your artsy mug shots to Printstagram and turn them into super soft tees, ooh, or metal buttons, $15 for 12 of them. I like the buttons idea. Um, I used to put buttons on my backpack all the time. Not anymore, but mm, still a good idea. That would be another good way to promote the show, too. I uh, wish I had a button maker or something. Uh, number eight on the list. Put 25 of your best bottle shots on a stitchtogram.com throw pillow. Okay, this is something I can get behind. $54, yes, it's a throw pillow. $54, yes, it's a throw pillow. But it's going to have good beer shots on it, so why the hell not? And goddamn, there are donuts in the sidebar there. 
beer. Oh God! Oh no! Those are beer battered apple fritters. Son of a bitch. Oof. Okay. Uh, number nine. Ah, uh, keep beer close to your heart <laughs> with a snap of your most beloved bottle on an antisparkle.com locket for $29. Yes, I'm sure your significant other will not think you're an alcoholic if you keep a picture of beer in a locket around your neck. <laughs> Sadly, that's the kind of thing I would do. I, 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 would not, I, I wouldn't have pictures of my kids in my wallet. I'd have pictures of beers. Actually, no, that's the way it is in my phone. I have pictures of beers in my phone and then a few pictures of my kids. And the last one on here. This one was my favorite. Again, this would be extremely costly, but in the right environment, this could be so fucking awesome. Craft beer diehards can give new meaning to shower beer with imagesnaps.com. I'm sorry, imagesnap.com's sealed ceramic tiles printed with your best beerstagrams from $4 each. You want to put these tiles into a shower or 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 you want to put them into a backsplash in a kitchen or if you have a bar in your house, you want to kind of have it as the countertop for that, backsplash for that. Again, they're $4 each, so it's going to get pricey, but that would be fucking awesome and you can fully customize it. I mean, if you want a whole section of stout pictures, a whole section of IPA pictures, a whole section of fruit beer pictures, there's so much that can be done with that. And I would love to do something like that. For some reason, I I really, I, I don't know, maybe it's from like watching home design shows before and stuff like that. I love tile design. And I hate the fact that I've never lived in a place that I could really do anything with fucking tile. The apartment I lived in, it was an apartment. I couldn't really do anything with that. This house, we haven't had the money to do anything with, and we're not going to be here after the end of the year anyway. And then where we're going to be at next, we can't really do much with that anyway. And I'll I'll get into that whole situation as the time approaches more, because I know I'm probably going to have to take a couple weeks off from the show at that point. But um, I, I'd love to get into a place, and if I move to Florida, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully I can... Sh- do some craftiness like this. But I, w- I would love to just set up a bar top with stuff like that. Um, $4 each, yeah, it's a little expensive, but you know, you, you do it over time, you save up for it. Um, uh-oh. Oh, I thought, uh, oh, I saw like Roy Black on crack saying, sound? Working. Okay. <laughs> Got worried for a second there. I don't know if my connection cut out or... You all can hear me. I don't know. Maybe I'm talking too loud. I don't know. But, um, yeah, and, you know, I'll probably post this list up on uh, one of the Facebook pages too. Facebook page, Facebook group, one of them, both of them, maybe. I, I think it's a I think it's a pretty cool, pretty cool list of stuff. There are, you know, some things that are, eh, you know, iffy, but other ones that are pretty, pretty damn cool. Again, those tiles. Oh, I would love, love, love to do shit with those. T- Even goddamn like a border around like a studio for me. Again, I'm not. I'm not gonna have a studio where I'm, you know, moving. So I'm gonna have. It's gonna be kind of a shared space. So I'm gonna have to really like make sure people get the fuck out when I gotta do my show on Tuesday nights. But move me into another house in Florida, and I'm fucking good. Give me a studio, and then I can get these tiles. I should bookmark that for later. Um, so you know what? Let me get into the new releases and reveals for the week because I only got about ten minutes left. 
Uh, let's see here. Uh, close that, close that, close that, close that. Okay. Again, uh, and, and you know what? If anybody wants to make me a uh, stinger or anything for uh, new beer releases and reveals of the week here on Alcohol by Volume, I would very much appreciate it because, I don't know, I ran out of creativity. I can't think of anything right now. Um, I've been trying. And now I'm doing editing jobs again, so I'm, I'm, my creativity is all sunk into that. Anyway, uh, we got our new releases. Sierra Nevada Snowpack Seasonal Sampler. This actually includes their new coffee stout that was mentioned last week on the show, so it kind of answers that question as to whether it was going to be in a variety pack or in a six-pack. As of right now, it's just going to be in this sampler. Uh, it's also along with their new Boomerang IPA and their regular offerings, their Porter and their Pale Ale. Uh, the sampler is going to contain 12 bottles, three of each type. Uh, the next one is from uh, Stone. It's actually a Stone collaboration. It's Zocaveza Mocha Stout. It is a collaboration between Chris Banker, and you're probably saying, who the fuck is Chris Banker? I'll tell you in a second. Stone and Insurgente Brewing. Um, I believe it's actually technically Cerveceria Insurgente. Creative take on Mexican hot chocolate that was originally developed by San Diego home brewer and communications officer for the Society of Barley Engineers, Chris Banker. Yes, that Chris Banker. He uh, submitted his recipe at this year's Stone Homebrew Competition and American Homebrewers Association Rally. Why do these people have such long titles for these events? Uh, and let's see, Shuk, uh, you can't even uh, you can't even turn it to an acronym. Uh, and won the opportunity to have his beer brewed by Stone and distributed nationally. It is a milk stout infused with coffee, vanilla, cocoa, peppers, cinnamon, and nutmeg. Yes, it is going to be, you know, it, it's, you know, they're, they're pumping a lot into that stout. They're pumping a lot of flavor. It's going to be 8.1% ABV. That's n- not that bad. Again, the one I'm drinking right now is 8.1%, has a good amount of flavor, but it doesn't have that punch that burn that kicks your ass again i still want session stouts but that is neither here nor there at the moment um it's available now nationally uh in 22 ounce bombers and on draft all the stone collaborations i've had thus far i've liked so i I have a feeling this one is not really gonna be any different i'll probably enjoy this one I, i i love a good milk stout um see next one here Another collaboration, coincidentally. I didn't plan it like that, did I? I'm not that ingenious, am I? Uh, this is from Widmer Brothers and Gigantic Brewing. It's called Crafty Licious. It's celebrating Widmer's 30th anniversary. The fourth of six limited release collaboration beers with Oregon Breweries hitting the market this year. It is a bright, partial kettle-soured beer. Ooh, I like sour. That is tart, hoppy, citrusy, and made for the late summer months. And it's actually named for the craft versus crafty debate. So they're being creative with that. Uh, Available now in 22-ounce bottles and on draft in select markets, including Portland, Seattle, San Francisco, San Diego, Minneapolis, New York City, Boston, and Philadelphia. Sadly, I am not within those markets unless they count me as New York metro area. Ah, New one from Innis and Gunn. The Bourbon Cask Dark Ale. Um, I need to get me some more stuff from Innocent Gun. I, I, I saw another one of their limited releases when I was at the liquor store, and I was very tempted to pick it up, but then I saw the uh, 
the coffee oatmeal brown, and I was like, ah, yeah, but I didn't get that. But Innocent Gun always does a good beer. Handcrafted Scottish beer. You can't go wrong with it. Um, this one, Bourbon Cask Dark Ale. It's brewed in small batches, then matured in hand-selected first-fill bourbon casks to give it its nice, rich, rounded character. Uh, it has notes of brown sugar, orange oil. It's kind of interesting. And coffee beans, and those are complemented by an earthy freshness from the hops. And the only 30 days the beer spends in oak. So, um, the founder of Innocent Gun, Dougal Sharp, um, Dougal Sharp? Dougal Sharp? I don't know. Is a firm believer that a beer does not need a full year in the barrel to get full flavor potential, thus only spending the 30 days in the oak. Um, I don't think I've had any of their uh, cask beers before, so I can't necessarily say yet. Um, if I see this one, I'm probably going to have to grab it. Um, I, I like a good dark ale, and you could translate that any way you want. Another little... Oh, I'm sorry. Um, this one's going to be available in the uh, 22 ounce Bombers, 7.4% ABV. ABV. A, another little bit of news from Innocent Gun. They've signed a three-year deal with Thatcher Cider to distribute its Somerset Cider stateside. So if you're a cider fan, keep an eye out for that. Uh, Thatcher's Gold is crafted at Thatcher's Myrtle Farm in Somerset, where the Thatcher family has been tending its orchard since 1904. Oh. Pepperidge Farm remembers. Unknown Brewings Beer with Scorpions. Yes. And if I was a smart person, I would have queued up uh, something funny. But I'm not that smart. And nah, I'm not. I'm not gonna delay and try this. Uh, I was gonna just queue up Rocky like a hurricane, but I'm not that quick on my toes. I don't have a producer, so fuck you guys. Just imagine you're listening to the Scorpions in the background right now. This beer actually has a ridiculously long name. A very, very cool looking label, but a ridiculously long name. It's La Jordana del Escorpion en Fuego Hacia la Casa del Chupacabra Muerto, which translates to The Path of the Fiery Scorpion Through the House of the Dead Chupacabra. Yes. Uh, it's an imperial Mexican lager with agave nectar, serrano peppers, and aged-on tequila oak staves. Oh, yes! And 99 food-grade scorpions. Let that, let that sink in. Scorpions. Scorpions! We've seen it in wine. I think we've seen it in some other spirits. Scorpions! But, how's it taste? Oh, well, well, when asked if these scorpions would affect the flavor, head brewer and owner Brad Shell responded, I'm not sure. That's not the point. The point is this beer needs scorpions. Some things just have to happen. So... It's kind of like, why scorpions? Because fuck you, that's why! And I can respect that. Uh, it releases on the Mexican Day of the Dead, November 1st, in 22-ounce bombers and on draft, and it's going to be a hefty 10.1% ABV. Uh, next one is uh, from Terrapin here. And um, this is a style I have um, recently started to like more of. I need to pick up more of it, because sadly there are not a, not a whole lot of them out there. Um, I, I think I've tried most of them that I've found, but it's a um, uh, black IPA. This is a Belgian-style black IPA from Terrapin called Midnight Monk. They based the beer off a Belgian triple recipe, hopped it like an Imperial IPA, and then a uh, dark malt 
twist to it to give it the uh, black IPA feel. Available now in 12-ounce bottles and on draft for a limited time, 9.8% ABV. And if you're wondering about how bitter this particular IPA is, it is 88 IBUs. That's International Bitterness Units. Ah. And then um, this last one, um, this is this is the one I think that has kind of potentially made me lose my faith in humanity. And that uh, pumpkin beers have finally, finally, finally jumped the shark. In the chat, I am posting the image of this horrendous freak of nature that should not be allowed to exist. Yes, yes, yes. It's a pumpkin beer that even P-Rock can enjoy. It's a pumpkin beer from Natty Light. It's called Natto Lantern. As much as I like trying every different pumpkin beer out there, God, no. God, no. I'm not going to find Natty Light in a -a Build-A-Six-Pack, and I sure as fuck am not buying a fucking case of Natty Light. Unless I'm having Joe Coletta come over, in which case, um, I'll take one can and say, here, Joe, take the rest. No problem. It's on me. Uh, But I don't even think Joe's going to be drinking a pumpkin beer from from Natty Light. <sighs> so I think the pumpkin beers have finally jumped the shark. It's frightening. And with that, that is uh, that is the end of tonight's show. Um, as always, if there's a local beer that you absolutely think I should try and you are willing to send it to me, because and, and I, I will reciprocate. I will send you stuff too. I will gladly send you beers. Uh, drop me an email, kevin at morelikeradio.com. We can try and work out a beer trade. As always, there's an ABV beer tasting list. I'm still adding stuff to it. tinyurl.com slash ABV beer tasting. I am considering doing a slight overhaul of it. Um, don't worry, the, the data will still stay in there, but I'm thinking of organizing it in a different way. Uh, working with tabs to kind of separate styles a little bit more. I'll keep you posted on that. It might make it a lot more readable, uh, a lot more accessible for us, and um, just easier to figure out, to look up styles, basically. Um but I'm gonna I'm gonna try and work on that in the coming weeks. Uh, check out the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash alcohol by volume. Like the ABV Facebook page, facebook.com slash MLR alcohol by volume. Make me feel good. Like the page. Because if you like the page, it means you like me. Follow me on Twitter at MLR underscore alcohol and at Edicius, E-D-I-C-I-U-S. Look me up, up on Untapped. Add me as a friend. I will add you if you want me to. I have no problem with that. Alcohol by volume, all one word. Coming up next, my time now with Sir Darkseid, followed by Dutch and Rice. Yes, Dutch is back. Huzzah! I'll see you guys next week.